insurrection, obstruction, indictments, civilly liable for sexual abuse. The one man responsible for all that could be sitting in a prison cell on election day and still be elected commander-in-chief for these United States. That man is beholden to Putin, weakened NATO the last time around, and is currently tying himself to wealthy Saudi oil money. He enriched himself when government stated his properties. He campaigned on wanting to use government to go after his political rivals and wants to expand executive power. If Donald Trump is re-elected, our nation is lost. So let's roll up our sleeves, get to work, and tell the MAGA folks no more before it's too late. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it is area code 914-803-4131. That is area code 914-803-4131. Uh, at the bottom half of the hour, we are having on uh, Edward Carlson, a candidate for uh, Louisiana State Representative uh, District 91. Uh, we have already had uh, Representative Mandy Landry on, uh, and we plan on having her on again next week. Uh, we've also invited the other candidate in the race on, uh, Madison O'Malley. Uh, unfortunately, at the last minute, uh, Ms. O'Malley had to back out and has not yet responded to uh, the request to say, hey, um, you know, you're welcome to come back on, especially now that there's been some a little bit of controversy uh, with some of the things that she's been saying during the campaign. Um, <clears throat> I'll try not to focus on on that too much during the conversation with uh at at carlson uh mostly it's going to focus on him though uh because uh, unfortunately uh the squabble between representative landry and madison o'malley has uh kind of drowned out him and what he brings to the table and at the end of the day he's a good guy and, and deserves to have his say so we're going to let him have his say on the podcast, and hopefully more people get the opportunity to listen to what he has to say. And uh, that's, that's what I'd do to cite uh, President Obama uh, or to use his line. Shouts out to everybody already in the chat. Jeff, Alarasia, Jolie, one half of the Mod Squad. I don't think that Erin uh, uh, will be joining us tonight. I think she's on a, on a trip. Uh, so Silly Wonka, also, thank you so much. I know a lot of people might be uh, on listening to Trucker John, which is cool. Uh, maybe, I don't know, if, I think Hal is already done. Um, Midas Media might also be talking about stuff. There is there is stuff to talk about. So um, you never know, because one of the things I was going to start talking about uh, is the Matt Gates thing. We'll get to that in a second. If you want to support the show, as always, you could uh, remember to like the, like the video, like the live stream. Um, if you haven't subscribed, already subscribe to the channel. If you're listening after the live broadcast, make sure to uh, like, subscribe, share this video, interact with other videos as well, drive the formula up, get people watching the show, etc. The more interactions we have, the more 
YouTube will show the channel to other people, which means the more uh, the more people might interact and more people might like it. Hey, I had a short that I uploaded uh, that got over 2.6 thousand views the other day. So that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good start. Um, what else? Um, you also can support the show by Venmoing me uh, at Liberal Dan. Uh, Venmo, just do friends and family, not buying anything from me. Um, buy me a cider. Go to liberaldan.com. Click the Buy Me Cider button, and you can do that. Or you can just go to buymecoffee.com slash liberaldanradio. You can buy me one or more ciders. Um, you can also, uh, whatchamacallit, go to nerdydan.com and follow and subscribe to all of the places I am at nerdydan.com. The other thing you can do is if you have Twitch, uh, go to twitch.tv slash liberaldanradio. I've not yet started streaming there but once i get monetized here i'm going to start dual streaming over there too so i can get monetized become an affiliate there and get monetized there so i can get both the bits and the subscriptions over there plus the super chats and the subscriptions over here and hopefully start that ball rolling so hopefully we can get all that done now that all that overheads out of the way uh, let's see how many people we got. We got five viewers right now. It's it's not soon enough uh, to talk about the new bit. Jolie, have you had the opportunity uh, to watch the new bit uh, as a liberal Dan radio patron? I think I don't think I talked about the patrons. Go to patreon.com liberal Dan if you want to also support the show monthly. If you're a Patreon, if you're a patron of the liberal Dan radio podcast, you get to see bits early. Um, and I came up with a new one that I'm rather happy with. I'm rather, I'm, I'm still kind of working on the intro to the, the intro and outro of the bit. Um, so, so it, it's, it's a work in progress. I need to work, I need to work on the audio and, and sync it up a little bit better, I think. Um, but we'll talk about that. Maybe when we get a, maybe, maybe when we get to 10 viewers, I'll watch it. It'll be live. It's scheduled to go live on YouTube in about nine minutes anyway. Uh, so anybody can watch it, but if you're a patron, you've already got the opportunity to see it. Um, and so we're going to talk about that as well uh, before we get to Ed and uh, an interview with, with Ed. And then after Ed's on the show, we may do some more of the, um, what is it? Not, I keep wanting to say coming to terms, but it's not coming to terms. It's the other um, playlist, the Unraveling Toxic Masculinity. We might watch a couple of those videos as well. and Because those seem, those seem to be getting some views, at least, which is the other part. I need the subscriptions, and I need the views. So, uh, well, Jolie, you'll get to watch it first with everybody then, I suppose. Um, so... You know, wait, I, I don't have the correct window open, so I can't play the sound. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. There you go. I, I, was, I, was, I had it ready to, uh, to go ahead and play the video, assuming we get some people there. Hey, Trucker John. Hey, Elizabeth. Welcome. Glad to see y'all. I'm glad, I'm glad I waited because I want Trucker John, I want you to be able to, uh, to see the, the new bit I've come up with. Um, I guess let me start explaining the bit first and then we can play it. Um, 
the new bit. I was talking to a friend of mine, and the friend of mine uh, had said I showed my friend. She showed a friend of hers. She said I showed a friend of she said showed a friend of mine your podcast, and he was amused by it. And uh, it was the one where I had the words of redneck wisdom with Senator Kennedy reading the filth on the Senate floor. Now, I was like, did you show him? Did you show him the entirety of the podcast, or did you show him just the clip? And I had no intention of that of of making that pun. Normally. I make I intend to make puns, but when I came out and it said just the clip, I'm like, that's great. Just the clip is a great name of a bit, and I need to come up with I need I need to do this. I need to come up with with the bit. I need to figure out how to do this and how to do it right. I, so I already knew the clip that I was going to use a um, for my first clip and. Then I figured out the wording for the introduction or for, for the music. Uh, and then I figured out the sound that it should go by, kind of an oldie time type sounding uh, type thing. And then I was like, all right, let me get the friends involved who helped me with my Hamilton podcast, my Hamilton bits, who sang background for that. I got some of them involved. Not all of them have submitted their stuff yet, but I wanted it in by Monday. So... Let us load this real quick. Uh, we're going to mute it real quick and then pause. And then maximize. And then we will switch to the alternate scene. Let's get rid of the... Ah, stop it. I paused you, dummy. Okay. So let me let me get rid of the other stuff that that and I'll get rid of me too I suppose uh, that okay so yes bits I do bits on the show so I don't know why I'm emoting now you can't so if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio I'm sorry you're not going to be able to hear the next minute so you're probably it's just probably just going to skip ahead a minute. For everybody who's listening to the Blog Talk Radio audio, but for everybody watching on YouTube, here is my new bit, just the clip. And there you go, just the clip. (laughs) So I hope y'all liked it. Um, and hopefully, and so we hopefully the intro will get um, a little better. Uh, it, did you did you get to hear the? I mean, was it clear? Basically, the the the, the wording is when a commentary makes an outrageous quip, no commentary needed. It's just the clip. So, yes, Wes, just the tip. That's the joke. Uh, <laughs> um, what I really wanted to do is I really wanted to find some way to have just the tip and then have the P of the tip doing something, but I couldn't quite figure out how to get that done. So I just made it more animated. And thank you, John. Um, So 
Look for more of those to come in the future, and that should be live on YouTube for everybody to see in the next uh, three minutes. So if you're on Blog Talk Radio listening and you uh, weren't able to hear that, it'll be live on YouTube.com slash Radio in about three minutes. And if you're live on listening on Blog Talk Radio, just come over to YouTube.com slash Radio and join us in the chat. Hey, TK, what's up, what's up going on? Did you just, you just missed the bit? Did, or did you hear the bit and then say hello? If you just missed the bit, um, uh, you can just watch the bit after the show because it'll, it'll be there when I'm done. <laughs> so um, I was very, very proud of that idea. I mean, I just, usually it takes even a little bit longer for me to come up with the idea and get it done. Literally Friday afternoon is when I thought of it. And then and I got it all done with everything else that was going on this weekend. I got it all done by last night. So, um, yeah, I was very happy about that. So what do we got? What do we have? So we got Matt Gates. Um, Matt Gates had finally decided to put forward his resolution to vacate. Uh, the Speaker of the House, because he's mad that in order to prevent a shutdown of the federal government and in order to stop many people from being harmed, um, he uh, he had to go ahead, Speaker McCarthy had to go ahead and use the help of other people like Democrats uh, to get that done. And, and Gates complained about the Hastert rule because they wanted to implement the Hastert rule and I hate the Hastert rule. The Hastert rule is probably one of the most undemocratic things in the, in the House of the Congress that's supposed to be the most democratic house in the Congress, which is the majority of the majority rule, which is the Republicans don't want anything to pass unless, if they're in the majority, unless the majority of the majority wants it. So if there's 218 in the House and... And, and of that 218, if you don't have one, 110 Republicans supporting it, so a minority of the people in the House, of the 435 people in the House, can block anything from going on if the Speaker of the House follows the majority of the, major, majority, of the majority rule. And because of this, uh, Speaker McCarthy went against the majority of the majority rule, and which made um, you know, Gates and several others cry. And so now he's put forward the resolution uh, to go ahead and uh, vacate the speakership. And now it's up to him to get the votes. He needs to get the 218 to get those votes to vacate the speakership. And then we get to watch and eat popcorn and see when, how long it takes them to replace the Speaker of the House if it, takes them, if it happens at all. But here's the thing. The question that everybody's asking is, Elizabeth, they won't bring the vote. Yeah, I'm... Well, here's the thing. Should they bring it to a vote? That, that's the big question that everybody's having, and I think it's a reasonable question to ask. Should the Democrats be like, fine, we'll vote with you, Gates. If you get enough votes that where the Democrats can come along and get you to 218, yeah, we don't like McCarthy. We don't like the fact that McCarthy put up, article, put up the impeachment thing against Biden. So, yeah, we support vacating the chair. And then y'all figure it out. Now, what happens then? Do, do we then, but then do we risk putting in somebody who's even more volatile than Speaker McCarthy is currently? Do we risk putting in like a 
Speaker of the House, uh, cuckoldress MTG, fan of Liberal Day and Radio, apparently, according to uh, Joe Gibson. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, is that is that a gamble that we play? Or do we do we threaten doing that and say, look, we're going to vote with Gates unless you give us better stuff. You put into the House rules that we're going to we're going to get more uh, more allowances and uh, better committee assignments and we're going to get all this stuff that we want. And then so we'll support you as speaker if. You then, of course, if that happens, if the Democrats make a deal to get better committee assignments as the minority party and to get and, and are able to strong arm McCarthy into give, giving them, you know, more than what they normally would get as a minority party, you would then see like, you know, Cenk Unger and the rest of the Young Turks crying and moaning, oh, the Democrats are working with Speaker McCarthy. They're, they're, they're two parts of the same party, man. And, you know, I'll have to make a bunch of fat man rants probably dealing with the fact that, you know, these progressives don't understand anything about politics whatsoever and just want to complain just to hear themselves complain. Um, Wes, they know that Dems won't back him since he allowed the inquiry. Well, I mean, yeah, we won't back him. Democrats won't back him in a vacuum. But would the Democrats back him if he then said, okay, well, you're never going to see Speaker Jeffries with a Republican majority, but we'll vote to, we'll vote to kick you out and then eat popcorn while y'all figure it out. Um, if y'all, uh, if you, we'll, we'll all eat the popcorn and watch y'all figure it out, unless you do something like give us a couple of committee chairmanships or give us the majority on some committees or or give us concessions, allow us to throw things on the floor that we want to see, get rid of the half-stirt rule, stuff like that. You know, we'll do this if you get rid of the half-stirt rule and you allow us to put stuff on the bill for a four-floor vote, regardless of what the Republican Party thinks and yada, yada, yada. We'll keep you up for the rest of the term, but we have to have these things up, you know, get Ukraine funding in there and get all this other stuff. We will keep you up there, but you're going to do some of our bidding. And... How much, how much of that would have to be done for Democratic voters to be like, all right, that was a pretty smart move. For enough Democratic voters to be, that was a smart move to be able to, over, to, be able to speak over the progressives who are going to be whining about it, regardless of what gets done. So, Nick, adults in the room would be nice for a change. That would be nice. Um, what, let's see, what, 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 how's the new house? Wait, I'm confused with the first speaker if he votes for Ukraine. I'm, I'm confused where that, what, blah, blah, blah. I lost where that went. Today, I heard they're going to remodel Hitler's birthplace into a police station in order to offend his lovers. Uh, I got an idea, tear it down. I mean, sure, that could be good. Donald might cry about it since, you know, I think one of his favorite books is Mein Kampf. So anyway, I think it's an interesting thing. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I am personally of the opinion that, um, you know, I don't necessarily like the idea of helping Matt Gates do anything. 
if if it creates more of a shit show on the part of the Republicans and they have to figure their stuff out, sure, maybe it's a good idea to vote to vacate because we're not necessarily voting to help Gates out. We're voting because we don't like Speaker of the House McCarthy. But I also kind of like the idea of if we're able to negotiate a good enough of a deal to get us stuff that we wouldn't be able to get as a minority party otherwise so that he doesn't have to pay any attention to Pizzagates, then by all means, get it done. Or I guess Larry, Larry the Cable Guy would say, get her done. Um, and that way, you know, maybe we couldn't get, you know, more Ukraine funding on the table and not have to listen to the whiny people like, you know, your Boberts and Greens and et cetera, who just want to bend over whichever way for Putin. Um, what's up, TV2 Live? Good to see you. Um, what else? Okay, so the Trump, they're saying that the Trump's trial started today, um, but in reality, the Trump trial, I would say, started when they got the summary judgment last week. Now, I was shook on the summary judgment. Now, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I typically when I see summary judgments, it's normally based, it's normally procedural things. Like here's this, you know, either that or it's normally to, to throw a case out because there's not enough evidence to bring it in the first place. Like, you know, the defense might ask for a summary judgment because, you know, maybe um, the police officer isn't there all like on a ticket or something or, you know, so therefore, I want to because the police officer's not here. I want to ask for a summary judgment to throw my ticket out because he's not here to for me to question him. Therefore, you know, I I, I should I'm since I I'm, should be able to confront my accuser. He's not here. I move for summary judgment, etc. So it's usually some, in that case, you know, for a big decision, usually a summary judgment is like that from my understanding of it. But summary judgments can also be like procedural matters. Like I want a summary judgment on. You know, whether or not this can be used or that can be used without necessarily having to deal with the hearing or trial, just just minor issues pertaining to the trial. You're not used to seeing summary judgments where the prosecution wins accounts of a case on summary judgment. <laughs> but the fact that Trump is so, so guilty of this civil, you know, I mean, I don't know if guilty is the right word for it because it's a civil trial, not a criminal trial, but he's He's so obviously committed fraud in this case that there's so much evidence there that the judge is like, I have nothing to do, but there's no reason to have a trial because no jury in their right minds would say this is not fraud. Um, to be able to rule against him, that's it's just I was shook when when they made that when the judge made that ruling. But I mean, and the silly thing was you have. You had a situation where all of the Trump defenders were looking at, well, Mar-a-Lago, the appraised value of Mar-a-Lago was such and such, and compare that to the appraised value of the other places. Well, look, I mean, I don't want to show my appraisal from my property taxes, you know, on, on everybody so everybody can see, although it might be a public record. So if you wanted to look it up, you probably could find it. Um, but the appraised value from like your property assessor for the tax assessor is usually much, 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 much less than the appraised value of, you know, that somebody might do when they're selling the house for, you know, 
a real estate transaction. So it, it's not surprising that the, the value that they might use from a real estate, from, from, a, from a, a tax assessor is going to be much lower than, the, than those other values. But they only talked about, they only talked about or tweeted about or truthed about or whatever the amount of the Marilago appraisal, despite the fact that they were ignoring the whole uh, appraisal cost of a tax assessor versus the appraisal amount of a real estate agent. They're only talking about that is because they don't want to, they want to distract about the whole thing about him estimating the size of his own dwelling space in Trump Tower as being twice, two to three times as large as it actually was. Like, there's no way around that. Like, that, I mean, that's a, that makes the case clear cut. I mean, you, you're a real estate developer. You should be able to know what size your own dwelling is. I mean, maybe he's a dude, so therefore he his often, you know, he probably told Melania, oh, it's really... It's really seven inches, and then it turns out to be two and a half. And Melania's like, I do not like this. She lied to me. But so sometimes men do exaggerate about things, but that, that's, not a, that's not an issue of you know, business fraud. Although maybe in his case, it is an issue of business fraud because many of his sexual transactions are probably monetary transactions too, even, even his wedding transactions. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, and I, I loved... Uh, District Attorney Letitia James uh, today when she gave her speech afterwards where she basically said something to the effect of how, how much money somebody thinks that they have. It's, you know, you know, people shouldn't be able to get with crimes no matter how much money they think they have. So not, not no matter how much money they have, but no matter how much money they think they have, which is like a, oof. You just—he got burned. He needs some salve, some ointment, or something, some cream, to be able to deal with that sick, 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 sick burn. Because holy crap, that was just so petty, and I'm totally down for it. I mean, and then if you watch the little bit of video that they had showed from before the hearing today, I mean, she was just staring at him with just daggers in her eyes, just like you know, searing through him. Like if, if she had the force, like he would just be like pushed with the force with, with the amount of just sheer hatred that she was looking at him. I mean, that's probably how I would look at him too, but still, I mean, that, that look was just like, don't, don't mess with this. Don't mess with this district attorney. She will F you up. But then he was sitting there looking like a complete ogre, just like not, not quite Mitch McConnell like, but you know, just looking like an absolute complete ogre. And I'm just waiting for this trial to happen and for Donald Trump to put all of his, so many feet in his mouth. Like he's not going to just put his own foot in his mouth. He's going to put so many feet in his mouth. People are going to think it's a new kink of his. So let's see. Nick Rich, one, one million per square foot, the bigliest penthouse. It's the biggest penthouse. Nobody has a bigger penthouse. My square footage, or maybe that's the thing. Maybe Donald Trump thinks feet, a foot or an inch, is actually a smaller measurement than it, what it actually is. So when Donald Trump says he's seven inches or eight inches or whatever, it, it, it's not really an answer that when he measures inches 
or square footage in his apartment. He's really using the measurement that he uses for his own personal endowment. And as such, that is that going to be his defense? Well, I really thought that this was an inch instead of this being an inch. So therefore, instead of this is a foot, instead of this being a foot. So therefore, when I measured the square foot of my apartment, I was basing it off of my own endowment and not based off of the, the actual foot of, of, of an actual standard size ruler. That's what I was measuring. Not that y'all needed that image in your head. But <laughs> can Trump lean back in a chair? I don't know. Ask Stormy. Although Stormy did say that she did not perform a particular, that particular, uh, uh, she did not, she did not consume the mushroom, so to speak, as she said on Twitter earlier, earlier today during a discussion of such things. Uh, people were then people are being like ugly to Stormy Daniels and saying stuff like, "Oh, you're an adulteress. You're you're the one who tried to break up their marriage." Like, no, 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 no. It's not Stormy Daniels' fault that you know Donald Trump is a hoe. Donald Trump's a hoe. He's the cheater. He's the one who, you know, have made the agreement with Melania. And maybe it might be the agreement with Melania allows him to do what he did. You never know. Look, there are all sorts of arrangements. There's the whole Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith thing where they had an arrangement or whatever they had, whatever they called that. I forget what it was called. You can put it in the chat if you remember. Um, but, you know, they had the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith where, where they could do whatever, and yeah, I don't know. But maybe it's in, you know, the agreement somewhere that Donald Trump is allowed to have a certain amount of extramarital affairs or whatever, or don't ask, don't tell, or what have you. Maybe maybe Melania can have a Secret Service agent or two whenever she wants one. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, according to those uh, toxic masculinity videos that we've been uh, reviewing so-called high-valued men um you know are, are are bound to cheat on their women and that women should just accept the fact that they're going to get cheated on and as such you know they should just you know deal with it so whatever with all that um ooh, hold on let me uh ed might not have the phone number so let me get that to him real quick uh, reply to all should have been on the thing, but thought I had sent it in a previous email, but you know, it is what it is. That's fine. I was like, it was like a minute or two. There we go. I just sent it to him and there he is. Wait, I've got a free conference call thing popping up. That's really weird. Anywho. So, I believe I'm assuming that that's Edward Carlson. So Edward Carlson is a, let me actually, before I start that, let me start recording this to make it easier to cut up in the thing. Edward Carlson is a native of new Orleans. He's been a driving force in the substance abuse uh, disorder field for over 35 years, transforming the Odyssey house, Louisiana into a renowned treatment program as state representative. Ed aims to apply his expertise and passion for public health, crime reduction and equitable healthcare to serve and strengthen his community ensuring a brighter future for all Louisiana. And without further ado, here is Ed Carlson. Uh, welcome, Ed. Thank you for coming on the show. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, so that's a little bit of, of an introduction for the audience. Uh, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. 
So uh, born and raised here in New Orleans. Uh, you know, I've been uh, – uh, I love uh, my city. I love my state. But it just seems like we're going in the wrong direction in a lot of different ways. And uh, I've been working in the addiction treatment field for 37 years. Um, I run the largest addiction treatment provider in the state of Louisiana uh, called Odyssey House. We're a nonprofit organization. We focus specifically on working with the uh, – uh, uh, Medicaid and non-insured populations um, do a lot of work with homeless people. We treat about 25,000 people a year on average. Um, and we're at the forefront of trying to deal with the opioid epidemic. That, and, that's uh, awesome. So, and I, I, I love my work. I, and I, I just love my work and the work that I do. So um, I'm, uh, I was appointed by the governor uh, to, uh, for the Drug Policy Board. Um, I was a founder and also still on the executive committee for our statewide provider association. Um, I'm president of our National Association Treatment Communities of America. And I also am heavily involved with the United Nations in Vienna, Austria, uh, with the non-governmental organizations on drugs uh, about trying to focus on helping countries to write policies around how to reduce the problems related to crime and drug addiction. Wow, I mean, seems like state representative might be a, might be a, a too low for you. You should be running for senate or something. Uh, with that, with that resume, you're very uh, kind. Thank you. So, honestly, uh, House, it, it does help with more than drug and alcohol abuse, from what I've been looking at with the, on the Twitter account. Uh, you also uh, also make sure that people are vaccinated, encourages regular PAP, HPV, uh, sexual health screenings, uh, encourages financial literacy. Um, so yeah. it looks like that when you're dealing with um, handling and treating a drug and alcohol abuse, that you're taking a holistic approach uh, to helping people mm -hmm. over overcome addiction and not just focusing just on the drugs and the alcohol. Yeah, so we're one of the very few uh, drug treatment programs in the United States that also have a federally qualified health center. So we take this uh, integrated approach to providing substance treatment services where we combine primary care, mental health, and substance abuse treatment services, all in an integrated fashion. Um, and we do a lot of things about life skills and job readiness and helping people to reconnect and reengage with their family and with the community and how to become productive citizens again. I mean, yeah, if you, if you can't just solve one thing and then hope everything's going to get better. You need to help with everything. No. And that, that makes total no, sense. We, so. we actually – we have a philosophy that we believe that if we can't help people live with, leave the leave leave our treatment program with a job and a stable place to live, uh, we haven't done anything for them. Because really, the 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 treatment and the work starts when they leave treatment, but they have to have the tools to be able to live life and to reconnect with life and have the support in the community so they can maintain their sobriety. Right, and that that makes perfect sense. Now, I was looking at the campaign website. It's um, electedcarlson.com, and mm -hmm. you have the co crime reduction plan. And part of the uh, on that document, um, it's like a 16-page document, and it uh, has a lot of focus on what, what's referred to as the uh, sobering center and uh, making sure that that's well funded. Can you talk about uh, about this? Talk a little more about the sobering center and and how uh, increased funding would help reduce crime in the city of New Orleans. Well, so the, the Sobering Center, which has been a, a real godsend, I think, that the, uh, uh, to the mayor and to the uh, city council um, that they funded this idea was about helping people to, who are, are public inebriants, whether you're 
um, you know, you're drunk in the French Quarter and you happen to be visiting here for a conference and you've had too much to drink and you pass out because uh, you've had your third uh, hand grenade, <laughs> which nobody should have three in a row. Uh, the, uh, when uh, I was in uh, college, I once had six. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah I so, know. So, you know, and so people, they find themselves uh, so passed out in the French Quarter now mm. um, or within the, in the central business district. And so one of the things the Sobering Center does is it allows people to be in a safe place for four to eight hours um, until they sober up. And if you happen to be um, somebody who is uh, uh, a tourist and visiting us, we get you back to your hotel, make sure you're safe, that there's no problems or anything. Um, but if you happen to be just a homeless public inebriant, we really work on trying to get you into treatment. And about 25% of those people actually go over into our medically supported detox. And then we'll go from there to our, our 28-day inpatient program. And then they go from there to some, oftentimes to our long-term program. That that is that is that is pretty neat, and it's it's a good like you know just one you know multi step program to get them the help that they need. Um, yeah, let's see. It's a great way. It's a it's a harm reduction methodology of engaging with people, and so we see harm reduction as part of our continuum of care. We do a lot of harm reduction work out in the community, and by engaging with people who are still actively using, you you what you do is you just keep talking to them and. We have a philosophy at Odyssey House that we're going to love them until they love themselves, our clients. And so we basically keep talking to them about coming to treatment, and eventually they catch on and they go ahead and go to treatment. That's pretty amazing. Now, looking at your website, you have you have your profile about you know about yourself, and you you do have your crime reduction plan up there, and there's you know the information that you can find about Odyssey House. Um, but you don't really focus on a lot of other issues. Um, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about the other type of issues that, that you, that you support or that you feel need that you might, you know, want to deal with if, if, if elected? Yes. So, so the thing is, is that, uh, drug addiction plays a huge connection to the problems related to crime. Um, and I believe that by reorganizing our current system, we could reduce crime by 30% across the board. Um, not only in Orleans Parish, but throughout the state. Um, and then we could actually push crime down even more. Until we deal with our drug problem, it's going to be hard for us to really do anything else also here, in, it's particularly in the city of New Orleans. Um, and although it seems like, uh, as uh, somebody had asked me, they said, well, it looks like you're a one-trick pony. I go, but my trick's pretty good. And really, <laughs> if I can reduce crime by 30%, if we could also focus on reducing the problems associated with substance abuse, which comes across the board, it impacts our healthcare system, right? It impacts mm -hmm. families, family unification. It impacts people in the education system. It impacts people who are trying to work and be part of the community at large because you can't maintain a job if you're drunk or high all the time. You can't re-engage with the community and you can't be a productive member of the community if you're like that. And right now we have such a huge epidemic happening throughout our city and throughout the state. You know, not only, I mean, in 2009, in 2009 there were 10 deaths in the whole state of Louisiana from opioid overdose. Last year mm. there were 499 in Orleans Parish alone. Mm. The amount of problems that this is creating for us across the board is a huge impact. And really, we have to focus on pushing and maintaining and moving people into treatment and treatment services, or we're not going to be able to solve our problems. 
Oh, but we're, you're, in, you're, running in, you're running in a district that's uh, one of the, if not the most progressive in the state um, because of, yep. you know, gerrymandering or what have you. And so there, there's a lot of issues that are bound to come up, like, you know, reproductive rights, body autonomy, LGBTQA issues, um, education issues, uh, book censorship, stuff like that. So, you know, have, yep. I have, there's so nothing I, on, your, I, on your website I, about that. So I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit about that as well. Sure. So uh, I'm so let's say I'm pro-choice, uh, and I'm very much supportive of a woman's right to choose. And issues related to reproductive issues, I think we're going to have a hard time in the state until we actually get the a Democratic Party reorganized, so we can actually start running people in some of the races that we need to run them in. I mean, if you look at right now, uh, more, we the Republican Party already has a majority in the House and the Senate before the election even happens. Right. So we're not doing what we need to do if we want to overturn and deal with this problem in the state. We've got to at least be running a, a somebody who's, you know, pro-choice in every single race that we have going on here in the state. So it's going to be four more years before we're going to be able to attack this issue. But I'm very supportive of – I have two daughters. Both my daughters don't live in the state because they're not going to be told how they're going to choose to be able to um, – what they want to do with their bodies. And so it's – and so – it hits home to me. It hit home to everybody in the state when Roe versus Wade was uh, uh, overturned by the federal Supreme Court, which I think was a travesty. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have to focus on uh, figuring out what we can do here in the state. But we have a constitutional amendment on this that was in place before Roe versus Wade was even overturned. Right. I mean, to make it to do a constitutional amendment, you're going to have to you're gonna need two thirds in the Senate, two thirds in the House. You need a governor to sign off on it, and then the whole state's got to sign off on it. The constitutional amendment for to, to, to ban abortion was voted in by 65% of the people in Louisiana at that time. Now, I think a lot of people maybe just thought, well, you know, Roe versus Wade is already handled on a federal level. I don't need to really deal with this. But, you know, you start letting people erode away your individual rights, you got a problem. And so right. we, in order for us to solve this problem, it's going to take a big haul or something will have to happen on the federal level, which I don't know will, will or will not. Um, but, you know, but, but I'm very big pro-choice. LGBTQI plus community, we're, I'm very big on supporting them. I don't think that there should be any laws limiting uh, people's ability to choose how they want to be their sexual orientation. I'll tell you at Odyssey House, whenever we've had anybody come in, We've always let people choose whatever your sexual orientation is. And whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that's fine with us. We're here to provide drug treatment services and to support you. And we support people, you know, in the trans community in particular, you know, with their medications and the things that they need to continue with their transitioning while they're in treatment and treatment services. So I don't believe in any book banning. I think I don't believe in any book banning. I don't believe that there should be anything that focuses on keeping people away from the freedom to learn whatever you want to read, you know, and so, and so, I, I, you know, some of these crazy things that people, these rabbit holes, it's, it's kind of like, I have to say, it's kind of like we're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? <laughs> so we're going to focus on all this other stuff while we're thinking over here, our economy's thinking, people are leaving the state in droves, we can't get our healthcare system together, People aren't really focused on what are the things that we need to do to provide services to people and how we're supposed to, like, reorganize our economy when all we focus on is limiting people's freedom. Right. So, 
Um, and I agree with you, especially on, I, I agree with you on all that. I, I especially agree with you on the on the running everybody in a, every district because if you don't if you run people in a district, even if you're not going to win that district, you're still going to get people out for the statewide race. You can still help people get out the vote for like the, for like governor, attorney general, yeah. treasurer, stuff exactly. like that. And exactly. you, you're putting you're putting you're putting the individuals running, you know, good individuals running for those statewide races at a disadvantage if you're not putting everybody at, if you're not putting everybody running everywhere as much as you can. Um, but unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of attention on your race in particular and not on you, um, which, I, uh, which, you know, I was also, you know, I was planning on, um, you know, I was planning. I was wanting to have everybody in the race. I've already had um, Representative Landry on. I asked uh, Madison O'Malley to come on. She backed out last minute and has not answered anything to come back on. Um, you and Representative Landry did seem to get along well on the WDSU uh, hot seat debate. Um, everybody, you know, you you and Representative Landry are, are clearly on the left. You're registered Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. So I have. I was going to ask. O'Malley this question, I got to ask you the question as well. Is there a specific reason why you felt it was important to challenge Representative Landry? Do you believe that you can do something different or better than Representative Landry can? Do you believe you bring something different to the table? Or is it that you believe that the voters always deserve a choice? I think it's, uh, well, first of all, I've never run for public office. And so is there ever really a right time to run? I don't know. I think for me, I, um, I've worked on doing policy work for the past 37 years, so I have a good understanding how things work. I'm just frustrated because we're not dealing with the addiction issue. And so if I've done anything in this race where, you know, I'm, a lot of people don't think that I'm going to – I have a chance because between the two that are currently, you know, my two opponents, and I like them both. I think that they're good people. I'm not going to say anything bad about either of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but I feel like everybody's, everyone is missing this issue and it's a big key issue. And so I think that if we, if we can actually start to deal with this issue, we can start to deal with some of our bigger problems that we have, but this is, it's not all, it's not going to solve all of our problems, but it's a big thing. So in my mind, I decided I was going to go ahead and run and I'm going to focus on this. And if the voters respond to it, and if they decide that this is something the way that they want to go, then they'll then then they'll respond. But I'm not going anywhere one way or the other. So whoever wins, I'm going to be a pain in their ass, like I'm a pain in the ass to everybody in the legislature now. I'm a pain in the ass to the governor. I'm a pain in the ass to the Office of Behavioral Health. I'm also, since I'm president of our national association, I'm a pain in the ass to a lot of people in Congress, our senators, uh, you know, the White House. I'm bugging everybody about this issue. And my job is to make sure that we get this issue out here. I'm not interested in in fighting and squabbling with people over, uh, you know, whatever they think. But I'm interested in point and focusing on the facts and the issues and the things that I think are important to make a change. And that kind of segues right into my next question, which is, um, if you don't end up winning, but you do end up getting greater visibility for the Odyssey House and the issues of uh, – drug treatment, drug addiction, and better ways to holistically deal with uh, issues of addiction, would you see that as an overall win for Louisiana and for the people who are suffering with it? Absolutely. Look, if if I raise this issue up and people start to talk about it, I can guarantee you 
Um, every elected official around the greater New Orleans area has read my paper, <laughs> including my mm-hmm. opponent, opponent. And so right. people know, like, okay, well, you know, it's like this guy's really serious about what he's talking about. I mean, I'm willing to put my basically my money where my mouth is. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I didn't raise a lot of money, and I'm running a grassroots campaign, and, you know, I don't have a million people endorsing me, but uh, I've got a lot of people that are like, hey, this is actually pretty interesting. You know, and you're and you say you say you're saying the right things that we need to be talking about. And I think we need to do more in the state around practical applications of how to focus on changing our problems. I'm tired and I know everyone else is tired of us being at the bottom of all the wrong lists and at the top of all the wrong lists. We have to be able to make some changes. And in order to make those changes, what we got to do is we got to start taking a hard look and face the brutal facts of what are the things that we have to change and fix. And I can tell you, in relation to addiction, we are nowhere near what we need to do. So, for example, when I got here in New Orleans in 2000, well, I was born and raised here, but I moved home in 2005, took over as mm. the CEO of Odyssey House. And when I took over at Odyssey House, I'd been working in the addiction field. I went out to California to do my master's degree and wound up working in the Bay Area. And I learned a lot about addiction and addiction treatment services overall. And literally everybody and everywhere in Louisiana was 25, 30 years behind the times. And when I took over Odyssey House, a small $1 million a year program, now we're going to break $40 million this year. We've been focusing on raising the money and getting the services out to the people that need it. But what we did was we created a continuum of care across the board. So we have everything from harm reduction, prevention. We have intervention services. We have medically supported detox. We have um, 174-bed, 28-day inpatient program. We have 130 beds for our long-term program, which combines housing with intensive outpatient services. We have about 60 beds for sober living out in the community. Uh, We also do a lot of case management services. And, you know, we have programs all across South Louisiana, not just in Orleans Parish. We're in Morgan City and Lake Charles. And we see ourselves as covering all of South Louisiana. We have a women and children's program. We have focused on creating this integrated approach in terms of how we provide services. And these services actually produce really good outcomes. Look, the national, the national average for outcomes is that four, around 41, 42% of the people are clean and sober one year after they leave treatment. If they go to Odyssey House, we're at like 57% are clean and sober a year later. So we wow. we beat the national average. I've had two US two different US Surgeon Generals come down and highlight Odyssey House as being a model program of how drug treatment services should be provided. So at least, you know, I'm we're trying to do something to put things out there to let people understand. But Odyssey House can't do it alone. We need right. a massive change and it's run on the state level. If it was run on the local level, I might be running for city council or something. But it's a state level, right? The Office right. of Behavioral Health oversees addiction treatment services for all just seven local uh, governing entities. And But nobody's holding anybody accountable, right? Nobody has a plan. Nobody knows, nobody knows how many beds we have in the state or how many we need. Half the drug treatment programs have gone out of business in the last 10 years, and no one's paying attention to it. Nobody's trying to rebuild the system or add additional services or try to expand services while people are dying in the street. 
I mean, well, you clearly know what you do. You clearly know what you're doing when it comes to all this. And I I would say, uh, are you confident that if you're elected, that you would um, that somebody would be there to be able to handle your your job for you? But uh, the job of a legislator legislator in Louisiana is not a full time position, so you, you can do both. Right. So it's not that yeah. big, it's yeah, not that big of a deal. Um, unfortunately, I think I think unfortunately I think our representatives in in the state, you know, a lot of people are shocked when I say this, but they're underpaid. They, they don't pay our legislators enough because by underpaying legislators, they make it so that only a select that only a select few can run. And so if they pay legislators more then you know, people who are regular people could run and actually have it be their job and not have to feel like they have to give up something. So you'd actually have less special interest people running and more other people running. But I'm glad you decided to run because you are, you know, you are making this a good issue. And if you win, I think there would be, you know, somebody good in the seat. Um, you know, someone continue to be good in the seat. And if, if you don't win, but you're, Odyssey House and drug treatment, this drug treatment program that y'all are running, more of a highlight, more of a spotlight, then that's also a good thing. Uh, one of the things I did notice that kind of amused me, though, um, was it purposeful that um, that's when you chose the name of the website? So it's elect ed. So when you put that together, it's elected. Like, is that purposeful or is that just, just a sort of a happy coincidence? It was a happy coincidence. I'm not that okay. smart. So. <laughs> But actually, a lot of people had mentioned that, so, uh, you know, so, but it, it is kind of funny. But, yes, it just works out that way. So, yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. So, um, is there anything else that you want to add in before we, uh, before we end the interview? Anything, uh, other, anything else you want the listeners to know? Um, I, I think it's important for people to understand the connection to a lot of our social problems with drug addiction. And, you know, if you... It, it, and, and, we, and we're getting this problem on multiple levels. So, like, for example, right now in our state, as of a couple of months ago, for every 100 people, according to the state, that there's 74 people with opioid, open opioid prescriptions. So mm-hmm. what that says to me is that not only do we have this problem with what's happening on the street, we have this problem over on the side with the pharmaceuticals and how we're managing that. And so... We have, we have this multiple problem going on, and I can guarantee you there isn't seven, 75% of the people in Louisiana are not on opioids. What that means is, is that there are people out there that are poised or getting prescriptions illegally, and they're actually still, and they're using that to sell them on the streets. That number should be down to like 10 out of 100. And mm. so we have got to deal with our addiction issue overall in our state. And until we deal with that, we're not going to be able to, do anything. You're not going to be able to do economic development until we clean up the problem with addiction and the connection between crime. We're not going to be able to do solve our education problem. We're not going to be able to solve a lot of our problems until we fix this problem. And, you know, and people might think, uh, you know, Ed, this is all you're really focused on. It's because if we fix this problem, it'll change our state forever. And so there are countries and there are cities around the United States and there's countries around the world that really focused on this issue and made huge changes. And we can make it within a short period of time. You know, I, I love New Orleans. I love the state of Louisiana. Uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere, uh, but we need to focus on this issue. And so we really focus on this issue and we get a statewide plan and we stick to it and we focus on making a change. We're not going to be able to, you know, we're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic and we got to make those changes to make things work. 
I mean, that sounds great. So, um, again, anybody who wants to uh, learn more about your campaign, support your campaign, um, it's electedcarlson.com. Um, and what, what number are you on the ballot? Uh, I'm number 54. I, believe. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been a long day. <laughs> Number 54 on the ballot. Early voting has already started, um, and the yep. uh, the election date is the 17th, right? Am I correct about that? Or is it 14th. no the 14th? 14th. It's the 14th of Saturday, the 14th. October 14th is yep. when is when the election is being held, uh, and then if uh, as the way the Louisiana elections are run, if nobody gets a clear majority, the top two go into a runoff, and then you have another election in November. So. Um, but regardless of how that happens, if you make the runoff, if you don't, uh, if you win or whatever, you're always welcome to come back on the show. It was great having you on. Um, and I'd be, I'd love to have you on again to talk about this or any others you want to talk about. So again, that's, uh, electedcarlson.com. Thank you, sir. You have a great evening. Thank you. You do as well. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, it's electedcarlson.com, electedcarlson.com, uh, electedcarlson on all the social media uh, platforms as well. I have linked to his website on uh, the, the uh, liberal link on the post on liberaldan.com as well as the YouTube thread as well. And I've also uh, linked to it on my Twitter page as well to his Twitter account as well. So again, it's great to have him on the show. Look forward to having him on again. Um, and we'll be discussing this campaign more as the election draws nearer um okay caller i know i saw you on i wasn't planning on having uh any uh buddy on uh during the interview but is this khalil yeah sorry about that yeah, no problem that's no problem i just wasn't usually when i have like the political guests on i don't i don't have i don't take calls just simply because i want to be able to um I want to be able to just focus on them and give them give them the floor or whatever. But welcome, thank you for calling again. Appreciate it. What's going on with you tonight, Cleo? Not not so much. I have some ideas on uh, things to do better as far as like crimes, as far as gun crimes. Uh huh. And one of the ideas is to take firearms that have been used in crimes and blow them up, like uh -huh. make them backfire, and then turn the rest of the pieces into like. Um, guardrails and uh, bit bridge bridge pieces for highways like interstates. Mm hmm. It's basically like melt them down or whatever. Yeah, blow them up first, like the U United Nations does, and then melt them down and turn mm -hmm. them into guardrails and bridge pieces, mainly for like big highways. Mm hmm. Or you could do things like you know turn. What, what is it, the, the biblical thing, like turning swords into plowshares, or you could like melt them down and turn them into like, you know, other instruments that would help people more? Like, yeah. I don't know, like, that, that would be good as well. Like, like even it could even be used for a piece of an, el for an elevator, too, or a piece for right. a watch. Something better yeah, than something idea. that can't, something that could be used to help people instead of harm people. Yeah, because our bridges are deteriorating, I heard, and our, our roads are not good, I heard, as well. I mean, they've, there's, they've been doing a lot better under Biden. I mean, Biden did manage to get under Build Back Better a whole bunch of funding for roads and bridges, which is funny because the Republicans will deride Biden for all of his socialist spending plans and and everything like that. But then they'll, they'll be more than happy to take credit for all of the bridges that get built in their districts. And oh, that's man. the thing is that. The, the the great the thing about Biden is that he won't he's not going to sit here and just only build bridges in 
in the districts where that'll vote for him. He'll build bridges where they're needed to be built, even if they're not going to vote for him, which is not something that his likely opponent in 2024 is going to do, regardless of where he's running from, if it's from prison or not. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it was great just to see him like there and he'll, he'll be petty when he does it. He'll be like, you know, this person will, will railed against this bill and voted against it, but they're sure as hell taking credit for it because I'm building a bridge in their city. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, if we could definitely use, you know, all sorts of, you know, things that we could, that we use to harm people instead convert them into things that help people, that would be a great thing to do. Yeah, I mainly thought about construction and schoolwork and hospitals and elevators and stuff like that because right. of the metal. Turn guns into school desks. That would be cool. You know, instead yeah, of, instead of harming kids like, in school and helping them learn. Yeah, turn them into elevator pieces, like elevator panels, and turn them mm-hmm. into like like pieces of like a um, – I don't know what you call those things on the bridge that they keep the cars in case there's an accident. You know, it's a metal piece, metal pieces yeah, that like you the, – The guardrails, the, the, the guardrails or whatever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, turn them into guardrails. So. And have them all over the country and all over the world turned into those types of things. That would be an interesting plan. That would that would be something good. Write your write your congressmen and senators, everybody. Um, there should be a there, we should be able to create a good a good clever um, a good clever title for it, like guns to guns to something guard else. Rails. Guns to guardrails. Guard there you go. Guns to guardrails. dot com. There's the website. Um, yeah, I'm gonna help. bring this up. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna well, bring this you, up you, to Pete. If it becomes big, you'll just have to tell everybody I first talked about it on LiberalDan.com, LiberalDan Radio. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, oh, that'd be great. I mean, definitely, we'll definitely, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely work on it together if it starts getting the ball rolling. Um, anything else you want to talk about before I let you go? Um, also, um, I don't know, but uh, you, um, you know about uh, New Orleans, like New Orleans. Um, does New Orleans have a naval base here? There. Oh, uh, there is a. Let's see. There is an Air Force base in Belle Chase. Uh, we don't. We build some Navy ships at um. Was it Avondale? But um, we don't have a naval base itself. Why? Well, I appreciate that. I was okay. just curious because I've seen some people in sailor hats on um, YouTube and on the show cops. Okay. Well, I mean, you always have people who come in on shore leave. There's always there's always a ship or two coming in, and they will also have. There is like a week where they'll have Navy Week, where a lot of U.S. Navy ships and some foreign Navy ships will come, and you can take tours of the ships, and and they'll you'll have lots of sailors walking around. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll, you'll see ships occasionally around here, but there's no official base here. Um, but it's definitely a place where a lot of people who are, uh, who want to get drunk like a sailor will come and, uh, <laughs> hang out and who knows if they're legit sailors or if they're just partying like one for the weekend, but, um, uh, definitely lots of places to, to enjoy, enjoy themselves here. And I'm sure plenty do. So, yeah. Yeah. I would like to go to, I like, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I would like to go, I would like to go to New Orleans or, or, uh, Chicago 
And I thought about um, making a GoFundMe page and um, selling some of my artwork. Cool. Well, if you, if you do, if you manage to come down here, you know, I'd love to I'd love to hang out with you. It'd be great to meet you. We could definitely hang out. Yeah. Cool. Right. And um, email me your uh, email me. Do you have Do you have another page that where you, where you have some of your artwork before you have the GoFundMe? I mean, if if you if you launch that, I'll be more than happy to share it with people. And if you if you have a page that shows it, I'll definitely put you on the friends of the show page on liberaldan.com because you call in enough to be considered a friend of the show. So email me at liberaldanradio at gmail.com and I'll be more than happy to share it for you. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to talk to my friend Louie about helping me set it up because I forgot right. how to do that. Um, the, I, I, I do appreciate you doing that because basically when I did it on my own, I put it on a website. No one knew about it, but I, I, appreci- I would appreciate it if you put the word out. All right. Sounds good. Well, I will definitely, I'll definitely do that for you. Just shoot me an email. Let me know. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a good day. Talk to you later. You too. All right. Bye, Khalil. Bye. All right. That was friend of the show, Khalil. Uh, we'll hopefully we'll be able to help give him, give him a hand and help him sell some of his art and, uh, you know, play it, pay it forward just a little bit. Uh, Jeff Curry, I cuss like a sailor. I have a hard time holding back while on here. I have a hard time holding back too sometimes. Oh, especially when dealing with some of the issues. Wow. Um, what's going on, Agoff Twitler? How's it going? Good to see you as well. Let's see. Elizabeth, Republican state governments have been reallocating a lot of federal funds. I know uh, 20% of Social Services money gets to the poor. I'm sure because they find a way to um, – Republicans love to find a way to take public money and divert that public money into private accounts, private pockets. Um, they love to do that. It's what it's why they support charter schools so much. They love themselves some charter schools, and they love themselves. They love to be able to you know take that money and just put put it in. And, you know, when Bobby Jindal was governor of Louisiana, he took funds. Um, he he about enabled people to use vouchers at a school uh, that used the Loch Ness monster. The, the Loch Ness Monster to prove that um, creationism was real or to disprove evolution or something to that effect. Like, ridiculous a place to spend public funds, to be able to use a voucher to go spend your money there, to spend education funds. Like, they love that. Now, one of the funny things is, like, my first campaign, the guy I ran against who won was Bobby Jindal. And so because the state party didn't help at all in that election, I ended up having to do a lot of research by myself. So I learned a lot, a lot about Bobby Jindal. Um, I learned a little bit during when he ran for governor in the first place, but I did a lot of investigation, a lot of education about him. And so I, I people just loved him. He was der Wunderkind. He was the the just the Ubermensch. He was no he could do no wrong. Everybody loved him. He was so wonderful. There are so many commercials from Republicans now talking about all Jindal's failed policies. Uh, there are people who are running for statewide office right now who are part of the Jindal administration, and there are conservatives, Republicans who are running ads or political action committees that are running ads against 
Jindle, uh, Jindle hooked opponents. Like there's uh, Wags, Wagaspak, who was like his aide. He's running for governor. Uh, people are people are running ads against him. There is somebody, I guess it was attorney, who's running for AG. They're running ads against her for losing elections or losing court cases, whatever, and how she was a failure under Bobby Jindal. So their conservatives are now using Bobby Jindal as a pejorative. And while it somewhat makes me happy, it, it, it's Bobby Jindal wasn't conservative enough. And that scares me because Bobby Jindal was a no abortions, no exceptions type of candidate. Like he did not believe in any exceptions to abortion policy, period. None. He would have loved this law that came. I'm like, he's scary conservative. And if he wasn't conservative enough for these clowns, that makes me fear for what is coming for the state of Louisiana, which is why we have such a problem. I mean, Ed talked about it a little bit with the failure of the Louisiana Democratic Party to um, to deal with the issues of running people in every district so that we could have people running in every district so that the statewide candidates can get support in every district. But instead of that, the Louisiana democratic party is spending so much time and energy and focus trying to throw Mandy Landry out of office, even though she's the most progressive candidate, just because for a brief minute, she stopped being a Democrat and became an independent candidate for a hot minute because she was mad because when she ran for the open seat of the state Senate position, they backed her opponent. The state party, instead of saying, okay, we're going to let these two Democrats, you know, run against each other and not take sides, the state party backed her opponent. And so she was mad about that. So she was, and rightly so because the state party chair, I've talked about the state party chair a lot, or maybe not, not, maybe not a lot, but I've talked about her a bit at least. <clears throat> so for a second, she said, okay, I'm going to be an independent because the state party is ridiculous. But then she was convinced to come back into the fold. I mean, I was an independent voter for much longer than that. I, I stopped being, what, I don't even remember when, Governor, former Governor Edwin Edwards, not the current Governor John Bell Edwards, but former Governor Edwin Edwards ran for Congress, a convicted felon. And the Louisiana Democratic Party endorsed him against other Democrats who were running in that race for Congress. He lost, but they endorsed the unrepentant convicted felon. And I don't care necessarily that he was a felon or a convicted, convicted felon or whatever. I don't care necessarily about that. I voted for somebody else who was a convicted felon, but he was repentant and he actually did something with his life and tried, tried to make everything better. But Edwin Edwards, I mean, he was a national embarrassment. He's probably one of the reasons why we had a Bobby Jindal being able and why we had Republicans be able to surge forward and gain such momentum in the state because he basically was able to make the Democratic Party look like the party of corruption in the state of Louisiana because, well, for a while, it was. And I, I said publicly, I said, look, if the Louisiana Democratic Party endorses Edwin Edwards for Congress, I will register no party. I will stop being a Democrat in the state of Louisiana. 
And I thought that was a safe bet. I thought I, I didn't think the Democratic Party was stupid enough to do it. And they freaking did it. So I was like, well, I'm a man of my word. I did. And, they all, I, and in Louisiana, the only reason to be a registered Democrat is if you want to serve on one of the executive committees or if you want to vote in the presidential primary, because we have open primaries here. You, there's no closed primaries. You have open primaries here. You can, you know, there's no Democratic Party primary, Republican Party primary, Libertarian, etc. Everybody runs in the same open slash jungle primary. If nobody gets a simple majority in the first round, the top two advance, and then that person who gets the most votes in the, in the runoff election becomes the person who wins. It could be two Democrats. It could be two Republicans. It could be one of each. It could be a no-party person or whatever. So there's really no reason where you have to be a member of a political party in the state of Louisiana unless you want to vote in a presidential primary or serve on one of the committees. And, well, the Louisiana primaries, when it comes to the presidential primaries, are so late in the season, typically the president, the, the choice is already chosen by then. So there's really no reason to be a, a registered Democrat in the state of Louisiana if you're going to vote for Democrats, unless you want to serve in the party primaries. Now, this time around in 2020, uh, I did make sure that I was re-registered as a Democrat so I could go ahead and vote in the primary because I wanted to be able to vote in the primary. And so, and I may, uh, there's, I've had some conversations about the possibility of maybe running for the local Orleans Parish uh, Democratic Executive Committee and or the state central committee. And the more the state chair does this crap, the more likely I am to want to run unless, here's the thing, if the person currently sitting in the seat that, I, that, that, is, that represents me right now is somebody who is a good, reasonable person who is going to fight against the racist chair of the Democratic Party, I have no reason to run against that individual. I'm fine with that person maintaining it. If that person's going to be somebody who's going to oppose uh, Katie Bernhardt, I'm not going to challenge that person. There's no need for me to do so because they're going to do the work for me. But if that person's going to be a supporter of Katie Bernhardt, I may very well throw my hat in the ring. Only costs, I think, 125 bucks to do so. And I may very well do so because I'm pissed off at the party right now. So oh, we, we scrolled a good bit down. I've missed a lot of stuff, um, <coughs> supposedly. Let's see. Um, and the Orleans Parish Democratic Party, I just missed getting on it the last time I ran by that much. Um, I have to make the decision up by mid-December is when I have to make that decision up. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, anyway. And if I do, if I do, if I don't, if I don't. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Let's see. Let's scroll back. Say, I saw Rocky like a hurricane concert by Def Leppard in Florida when the hurricane hit. Nice. Um, but Def Leppard isn't the one that sung Rock You Like a Hurricane. That was somebody else. Although I cannot hear that song, the here I am, do, 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 rock you like a hurricane. I can't quite, I can't hear that song and not hear it like here I am, do, 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 rocked you like I'm Herman Cain. 
I can't not hear that version of the song. So, yeah, rocked you like I'm Herman Cain. So now you're, next time you hear, was it Scorpions? Uh, Next time you hear Scorpions sing, here I am, rocked you like a hurricane, you're going to be singing in your song, and you're going to be singing in your car going, rocked you like I'm Herman Cain. And you're going to be like, God damn, Dan, you screwed this up for me. Um, Scorpions, yes. So, and then, of course, I've ruined a lot of more set for a lot of people because she's like, it's not fair to remind me of the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. Cross-eyed bear. The, the cross-eyed bear. Um, yeah, let's see. Even pretending to be a moderate in the Republican Party is an unforgivable sin to the MAGA acolytes. That's true. Um, Elizabeth sounds twisted. Party leadership needs to go. The party leadership does need to go. The person, the, I know the person who ran, uh, Lena Woolard. She ran, and she's more progressive than the person who won. The person who won is somebody who backed somebody against the current governor. And one of the sad things is, is that I just found out recently that uh, Katie Bernhardt is not just the problem. One of the other problems is Cedric Richmond, who is a former congressman representing New Orleans, who also, um, who also like worked for the Biden administration. Like he apparently has his hands in the mess too. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? Why is he being an a-hole? And then the person that we voted for, uh, Troy Carter. For, for who was our current congressman, is now supporting Madison O'Malley in this District 91 race. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Why are y'all people supporting the person who's being supported by the racist? Because this person is the one, if, you were, if there's the show that I had where I had Devontae Lewis on, who is the person who won the Public Service Commission seat, um, he... And, and I was going to have Gary Chambers Jr. on, and he like, had a, I guess he had a complication and couldn't come on. But both, you know, they got, Katie Bernhardt tried to screw both of them over twice. And despite that, Devontae Lewis still won. <clears throat> Anywho. Uh, seems like there should be audits of some of these state party leaders and state governments overall. Absolutely. I mean, the party itself, I mean, there's, from what I've seen, there is, the current chairman of the Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana, in her actions, has violated the rules of the Democratic Party, yet she was still allowed to come forward. So, I don't know. Five minutes fell over. Five minutes to what? Um, let's see. Herman Cain, 999, and good pizza. 999. Um, anywho. So, let's see. It's 920. Was there any one of these that I wanted to do? Is there a quick one that I can respond? There's still some I have to upload from the other day. And I still have to, uh, I'll have to upload the uh, Ed Carlson interview to whatever. So, I don't know if I'll, if I'll run too long tonight. Um because uh, party leader threatened them probably. I, but I don't know what the party leader has to threaten them with. That's the thing. Like, I don't know, I don't know what she has on everybody that enabled her to be able to get 
the power that she does. It doesn't make any sense. And like one of the, th- I, I decided to not be petty with Ed on because, and I, and I love being petty, as as I said earlier in the show. I decided to not be petty with Ed on um, because he said he tried to be, you know, nice and 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 cordial to both. He said I like both. He said he likes both Manny Landry. He said he likes Madison O'Malley. He likes them both, and that's fine. But Madison O'Malley. Is, loaned herself $127,500, I think, because that's the correct total in spending, in, her, in, her, in loans to her campaign. Like, he loaned himself like four grand. That's okay, reasonable. It's a reasonable thing. This position pays 16 grand a year or something like that. No more than 20. It's a four-year term. So at the very most, you're going to get 80 grand back after four years. So there's no way that you can recoup that $127,000 in the four years that you're, that you're running. So why would you loan yourself $127,000? The only reason to loan yourself $127,000 is because you believe, A, you're going to win, which I don't know if that's the truth. I haven't seen any polling data about that race, but A, you believe that you're going to win, and B... If you do win, you're going to have um, you have people who've told you that they will contribute to your campaign when you do win, but you're not you're not having them contribute to your campaign until after you win because you're afraid of what them contributing to your campaign now will look like when you file your campaign finance report. Maybe that's a little conspiracy theory-ish of me. I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's the only thing I can think of. Because there are a lot of people who are also questioning how she came up with 127500 because uh, relatively young, not much of a job history, um, maybe from her fiance, but if it's from her fiance, it's not, it's not, they're not married yet. So it's not considered a joint asset as such. If he's loaning her money, then you can't, then, then that's, that's, that, then it has to be him loaning her money and not her loaning her money. See, if he's giving her money, then that's taxed because anything above $10,000 is a taxable gift. So how is this money coming into play? So that's a definitely that's definitely something that needs to be audited, in my opinion. But clearly, there's something fishy here. There's something that doesn't pass the smell test. And look, when I was going to have Madison O'Malley on my show way back when, earlier on in the year, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know about the fact that she was registered as a Republican in Ohio. I didn't know that she that she had that she was going to be sharing false information about how Representative Landry voted about her uh, about a vote on concealed carry. I didn't know a lot of stuff about her. All I knew was that she was a brand new face who uh, showed up in the district, 
who I didn't even know that she moved in, in the last six months, hopped from district to district to district, and finally settled in District 91. I didn't know this until recently. Um, all I knew was that she was somebody who decided to challenge Representative Landry, and I was going to just simply ask some questions. And some people were attacking her on Twitter, and I was going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I was going to be like, hey, look, you know, I was going to ask her those questions. What do you think that you can do better than Representative Landry again? Which I think is a fair question to ask if you're challenging the incumbent and if you both support the same issues. Because her, according to her campaign website, she says she supports the same issues as Mandy Landry does. But on that WDSU hot seat debate that I that I referred to um, when I said that Ed Carlson and Mandy Landry seemed to get to get along fine. Um, Mandy Landry had pointed out that uh, Madison O'Malley was registered Republican in Ohio. And instead of explaining why that was the case, Madison O'Malley denied that she was a registered Republican in Ohio. But so, which made me go, look, what happens? How, and no, you do not specifically register as a part as for a political party in the state of Ohio. And that's what, that's how, Madison O'Malley wrote it off. She's like, you do not, you do not register as a Republican or a Democrat or whatever party specifically in Ohio, which is true. But what she avoided was that when the, the state will still consider you to be a registered Republican or a registered Democrat or a registered Libertarian or what have you, if you vote in this particular party primary and you say you go to the primary and say i would like to request a ballot for the republican party in the primary so they will give you a republican primary ballot you get to then fill out the republican primary ballot and then hand it and then you hand it back and then they record it in the in whatever however they record it and then in the system you're then recorded as a registered republican so that's how you that's how that is how Madison O'Malley got registered as a Republican. Now, I don't begrudge people from being a Republican and then becoming a Democrat later. That's fine. I'm fine with it. I wish more people would be Republicans and then register Democrats later. See the if she was a conservative as a kid and then saw the light and become a and became a Democrat, good. Good for her. I wish more people would do that. But the fact that she had to misrepresent it and that she, that she didn't double down on that and that she didn't say, this is what happened and this is why I switched from a Republican to a Democrat because I was raised a certain way. But as I, as I grew up, I realized that that's not the right way to be. And now I'm, a, now I'm a Democrat. Now I'm a progressive. Now I'm a liberal. Now, I'm, now I believe in autonomy. And this is why I support the Democratic Party now because they are, they are not the party that supports my values and beliefs. And I just happened to vote in a Republican primary back then because of whatever reasons, but I've since changed my political views as I've matured. She would have said that. I would have said, okay, this is a non-issue. But she ducks the issue. And that makes you think there's something more here to ask. There's something more here that needs to be questioned. There's a lot that is left to be questioned when it comes to candidate O'Malley in this race. Um... 
Elizabeth. She's being paid by big money, maybe. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how she got the hundred twenty-seven thousand. I, I don't know that. Maybe she has money from her parents. I don't know. But there's no reason to loan yourself one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars for a job, unless for this for this position unless you think you're going to get those campaign contributions back. And the only way you think you're going to get those campaign contributions back is most likely is if you have certain agreements in place that say, okay, we are going to loan you this. We're going to give you campaign contributions so you can pay yourself back. But those people are probably people who, if people in the most progressive district in the state of Louisiana found out that I should have been recording this the entire time because I should have posted this as a video. If the, if people in the most progressive district in the state of Louisiana found out that these people contributed to her campaign before the part before the campaign was over, she might lose voters. Now I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. It could be very well that there is a, there is a there could be a perfectly legitimate reason as to why and how this happened. But there's so many other things that she's lied about that I don't trust it. I, don't, I can't trust this because I can't trust her because I can't trust the other things. Maybe I need to go make a fat man rant about it because because it sucks. The fat men around the Democrat, Louisiana Democratic Party specifically, and Madison O'Malley in particular may very well do that after this is over, which means I may very well not do a unraveling toxic masculinity tonight because I want to go do that instead and then have that upload tomorrow morning, um, which, you know, see, Elizabeth laundering large donations, maybe. So you say, ha, I just laughed my ass off. One of the Trump's charges is attempting to falsify, falsify false financial statements. How the hell do you lie about a lie? <laughs> let me, let me, let me look about that. Let me look. Trump charges falsifying false financial statements. Um, do, 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 do. Let's see. List of all new Trump New York fraud charges. Let's see. Let's see if we can find the list. Do, 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 do. And the funny thing is that um, this is a non-jury trial, and so apparently there, there's a meme going around with, with with a blank stare look of one of Trump's attorneys, and it's like the look on your face when you forgot to check the checkbox requesting a jury trial. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Where criminal? Oh, that's the other cases. Ugh, that's that. This website's not listing the actual indictment. Um, 
<laughs> it's politically motivated when you prosecute me for the crimes and fraud I've committed. And that's the, that's the one thing that I just don't get. Like, like I want to call up eventually back into the Jeff Carrera show because I haven't called in for a while because I've been too busy with actual work stuff. Uh, shocking, I know. Um, but I want to call into the, to, to the show and be like, look, let's say this Landry guy, the bad Landry, runs, wins the governor's election, right? And let's say after, you know, three and a half years, he decides to run for re-election. Let's say I then go and rob his house. I'm going to go steal a whole bunch of stuff from his house. And then I go run for election. He catches me on camera robbing his house. And then I decide to file to run against him as governor. And then when he puts me up, on, when, when they try and bring charges against me, I'll be like, no, this is a witch hunt. The only reason he's, he's, he's filed, they're filing charges against me, the state's filing charges against me is because I'm running against him. That's the only reason to say why the state's running against me. You can't bring charges against me. I'm a political opponent of the governor. You can't do that. And then they'd have to agree, right? Because apparently to them, running for office is a shield against criminal charges. And it protects you when you have criminal behavior. Right. Let's see. Here's the filed a lawsuit. No, don't want to see that. Where is the frickin' list of the indictments? Or where is the? I don't know. Thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate you. Again, if you have anybody hasn't listened to the new bit yet, uh, it is live on the on the channel, so you can go watch the uh, j just the clip. New bit is live currently, so as you're leaving the show, go watch just the clip and share it with everybody um, because I'm proud of my new baby. Uh, <laughs> that should be ending the show soon anyway because I'm going to do I'm probably going to do my fat man rant. Um, about the Louisiana Democratic Party and Madison O'Malley because I'm I'm done with it. I'm I'm just done with it. I'm tired. I'm tired of dealing with this crap. I'm tired of tiptoeing around the issue. It's it's some bullshit. And oh, I cursed. Oh well, too bad. Anyway, thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate you. Um, Wednesday we're gonna have Tara Dublin, who apparently is gonna be doing uh, living with it with Andrea, which is awesome to hear. Um, Monday we have. Um, I think Monday is uh, Mandy Landry, and I think then Wednesday is Britt Gandolfi again. So, and, and the elections, since the elections are the next Saturday, um, on the 14th, I think the 9th is Mandy Landry, and the 11th is Britt Gandolfi. So we're going to have both, and we're going to have a special start time on, 11, on, the, on the 11th. That's going to be... Um, that's going to be, we're going to start the interview at the beginning of the show, right at 8 o'clock, instead of normally at 8.30, because we're going to do a video interview, uh, which means if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, um, you're not going to be able to hear it, because she wants to have a video interview done so that she can post it on social media. Um, so we're going to try that out and see how it goes. We're going to use her Zoom. Uh, we're going to tr try it that way and set that all up, and... We'll see. We'll see how it works. If it doesn't work great, if, fine. If it does work great, then maybe we'll work on having more video interviews as well. Um, and apparently, Darren Tara Dublin finally self-published her book, which is awesome. Um, I had suggested that she do it, and she kind of flinched about it, but I guess she went ahead and did it. 
and she has a couple more sales. So um, hopefully everybody will uh, will go support that. And maybe she'll get more of a bump from my podcast and I'll share it on social media and everything as well, um, which would be cool. It's good that we'll have something to plug on the show as well. So uh, let's scroll down and find this. Um, so we'll have a couple of new things to post in the morning to talk about. Where's the, I think it's further up. I have too many clips. I actually moved it further up to now, so I've scrolled too far down. Have you all ever watched Blue Dot in Texas? No, I have not. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Anyway, so this is the end of today's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I'll be back on Wednesday again with where we invite back to the show, friend of the show, Tara Dublin. Um, and we'd be glad and happy to ha- have y'all. Um, again, no Nerdy Dan tomorrow, but Nerdy Dan will be on on Thursday as well. Um, so please make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't subscribed already. Uh, make sure to um, interact with other videos as well. Share those other videos as well. Share just the clip. I think that one's one of my favorite ones that I've done. I hope to do much more of those in the future. Till Wednesday, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Mm-hmm.